0: I love Todd Duncan and I love the idea that all reluctance is a lack of confidence. And that really spoke to me in the beginning when I was trying to find that traction, you know, that idea of the fear of picking up the phone, the fear of failing, perhaps the fear of actually being successful, which I think is actually a huge fear as well. Like, what do you do? Once you get there?
1: So you said Uh, call reluctance is a lack of confidence all reluctance is allowed okay but you could say call reluctance cuz like yeah. <laughs> yeah it'd be just as true maybe just more true. True. i was like i wrote that down I'm like that's dang that's good i'm going to trademark that no is kidding <laughs> The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Today the show, I have Adam Mansbridge from Calgary, Alberta. He's with a company called Elevation Mortgage, and he's been in the mortgage business for a few years now. And prior to being in the mortgage business, he was actually in the film industry as a producer, and he spent a short time as a service manager at a car dealership came into the business with this focus of, I really wanna service people and take care of them and make service how I build my business. Last year, he did 14 million in production. This year, he's already funded 25 million in less than eight months and just a great guy doing amazing business. And I think you're really gonna enjoy this conversation I have with Adam. Also in the Ask the Expert segment, I talked to Erin Crocker from dita.ca and she shares three tips to ensure a smoother closing. And finally, I wanna give a huge shout out to my title sponsor Finmo. They're a complete end-to-end application, document collection and submission platform. Integrated with Lender Spotlight, which is super cool. Lender Spotlight recently added alternative lending library of over 40 lenders and growing every day. And the reason I partnered with FIMMO is because I think they actually have one of the easiest pieces of tech to use. There's lots of options out there for people, and I think options are great. But what I found is that it was very easy. And so we recently started a brokerage training new agents. And we chose Finmo just because it was going to be easy for them to learn. And then they could spend their time on money-making activities and learning how to underwrite. So it's a great platform. Go check it out. Really easy. Finmo.ca slash ILMV. That's Finmo.ca slash ILMV. And thanks again for checking out this episode. Hey, Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. So how did you get into the mortgage business? Tell me a little bit about your business and how you got here.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I was living in Toronto. I was living in downtown Toronto with my wife. I had been working in the film business for about six years. I was a producer kind of doing small-time stuff, music videos. I did all of the creative content for Much Music, And I think like anybody in that business, I was really striving to get into feature-length films. I mean, that's the dream that we all have in that business. You know, I was probably a small fish in a massive pond in an ocean, really. Struggling to get that, find that traction. That business is just, it'll eat you alive. I was totally burnt out too many 24 hours on set kind of things in my so
1: what is a producer is that a director i'm not sure what that role is there's a lot of people that work on movies when you look at a movie the list of there's a gaffer what the heck is a gaffer right like (laughs) you probably know but i don't
0: (laughs) a lot of really unique names for roles best boy stuff like that i mean the producer can be a lot of different things depending on the scale of the project and the bigger the projects you get into, really defined producer roles like line producer and uh, associate producer, executive producer. My role was really to kind of be the person that brought the strands together. So, a director or a creative writer put an idea together and said, "This is the thing that we're going to do." They would bring me in at that point, and I would say, "Okay, we need to get this person to you know run the camera. We need to get his or her crew for lighting, for uh, you know electricity." A costume designer. Kind of like the
1: general manager for a football (laughs) team in a way, like you're the, you're not necessarily, you're not on the field, but you're the person who's coordinating all of the people that need to be on the field. You're sort
0: of a a logistics person and a lot of times it's kind of like somebody gives you a list of things that appear to be magical and impossible and, you know, not doable in the physical world and it's your job to bring the people together that can actually achieve that.
1: Right, right. Uh, The executive producer is somebody who pays for the movie, right? Like they're the investor, is that right? Yeah, they get the
0: name at the top of the list because
1: they put the money in. Right. That's one thing I know about roles. I was like, those guys make a lot of money. Like the movie stars make yeah. money, but the executive producers, the big one, that's where the ones that drive the huge yachts in Florida and yes. like, you right. don't know who they I, are. I never,
0: I never had to work with executive producers at the, you know, tiny little rung I was at on, on the pole. But um, my wife actually is a costume designer in the film business and has done feature length films that have been in theaters. So she's in that world. I get to live vicariously through her a little bit, but that was my role for six years. I kind of just, you know, was presented with the impossible, which I think actually does definitely lead into the mortgage.
1: This. So then how did you go from there into being a mortgage broker? So this yeah, is 2017, so, right? As
0: I said, we were living in downtown Toronto. One of my closest friends is a Toronto realtor, kind of one of those top 1% condo specialists. And I went out for a beer with him one day and said like, man, the film business is killing me. <laughs> I just... I don't know how I'm going to do a family. I don't know how I'm going to have a life. I sort of think I've always been interested in becoming a realtor. Can you tell me a little bit about it?
1: You really kind of told me. <laughs> no, up. don't. I don't know what he said, Fun, but i in the
0: opposite direction. Yeah, no, he still thought it was great at the time. So that got me thinking, and, you know, we were also simultaneously thinking about a change of environments moving out of out of the city. I had decided, okay, realtor, it's going to be a realtor. I'm going to become a realtor. I just need time to put this together. And we were on a family trip in Hawaii. I was on a fishing charter and my brother-in-law at the time who was in auto service, he was running a infinity dealership. He said, look, if you want to move out to Calgary, I'll just give you a job, even though you don't know anything about cars. If you just commit two years to me and you can kind of work on your licensing while you're doing that. So talked to my wife and she was pregnant at the time. And we just said, yeah, let's have an adventure and kind of just throw caution to the wind here. So we did that. We just picked up everything. She was pregnant in a 500 square foot condo in Toronto. I stuffed everything I could in my car and drove four days, started a job I did not know how to do, living in my in-laws who I barely knew. And then she moved out. We bought our first home. We had our daughter and uh, all in a period of about six months. So I kind of just checked all of life. When they have
1: those stress tests of all these things, have you moved? Have you had a child? Have you changed jobs? And then you get a score for stress. That's pretty much like most of them on that list. You'd be like, yeah, I did all that in six months.
0: I did it all between March and June of 2013. Sorry, June and October. Anyway, it was wild. It was a wild time. And so I started this business. Cars are neat, but it's not my thing. I was really grateful for the work. I was grateful for the regular paycheck. You know, I bought a home with that and it was going to buy me the time to do the licensing and continue to bring in a paycheck while my wife was off raising a child. So. Grateful for it, but it was really soul sucking. It just was not me. It's not who I am. And auto service. I mean, you're almost worse than the dentist. Nobody wants to see you. It's just a really abusive world. Right, right. So into the mortgage piece, we got our first home and, you know, the service was mind boggling that it was so straightforward that, you know, you provide documentation and somebody puts bags of hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table so that you can achieve a
1: dream of putting a roof over your head. Right, and I just thought, like, what wow. kind of lender did you go to to get bags of money? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't These don't sound like normal lenders. Here's a bag of money. If you don't figuratively, pay, it figuratively, we're going to send um, you Guido to talk to you.
0: Yeah. So I thought it was amazing. I thought it was such an incredible thing that you could do for people to be that kind of a helper. And I've always kind of been a helper. That's sort of my why. But the service was really lacking. I thought, like, wow, it's amazing. This is what you can do for people. But this is the way it was done for us. And I just, it wasn't like it was terrible. It was just kind of
1: lacking yeah they didn't have any like flair so then okay that makes sense you got into that 2017 now i always like to ask everybody about a quote because i love quotes you got some on my wall but what's a quote that's really had an impact in your life or business
0: i really love quotes too the thing i think i love about them is in a way it's like the past reaching out there are always a series of quotes that just feel like they're speaking directly to you so there's always a ton that are top of my list but i love todd duncan And I love the idea that all reluctance is a lack of confidence. And that really spoke to me in the beginning when I was trying to find that traction, you know, that idea of the fear of picking up the phone, the fear of failing, perhaps the fear of actually being successful, which I think is actually a huge fear as well. Like, what do you do once you get there?
1: So you said call Uh, reluctance is a lack of confidence. All, all reluctance is a allowed. Okay, reluctance. but you could say call reluctance because like... Yeah,
0: yeah, it'd be just as true. Maybe more true. true. I was
1: like, I wrote that down. I'm like, that's dang, that's good. I'm going to trademark that. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Call the reluctance. The
0: other one I really love too, I've been really into the stoic stuff lately. Yeah. Uh, my favorite movie of all time is Unforgiven. And there's a line in the end where one character says he didn't deserve what was his impending death because he was building a house. And Clint Eastwood's character says, deserves got nothing to do with it. And I just always remember that, yeah. uh, you know, that I think that's great because it's a reminder in a way that you really don't deserve anything. You achieve things and you attain goals, you reach milestones. It's actually not about deserve at all. There's no deserving right. factors into it. I think that's super powerful.
1: Yeah, that's good. How have you applied this, one of those quotes to your business? So how do you apply that, this idea of like either the, all reluctance is a lack of confidence. So did you go out and work on confidence or tell me about that?
0: Yeah, well, I think, you know, I know everybody's experience in this business is different and I'm definitely sort of a shallow end before the deep end type of person I like to perfect things I like to have all the equipment I like to do it right. From the beginning, so you know it's tough to find traction and I think, for me, what really needed to happen was the ego in me had to die, in a way, at the beginning of this career. Yeah, I had to realize that I was nothing without my clients and my sources of business partners and it was only then that I could realize that I was actually everything for them in the mortgage process. Mm -hmm. And so that sort of idea of you know deserve has nothing to do with it, we can all be at fault of bringing ego in and thinking that we bring some kind of mysterious awesomeness to things and it you can, but only when you realize that you're nothing without the partnerships that you have. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And the same is true with the all reluctance is a lack of confidence. I think it's um you have to trust. You have to trust that if you just walk into it and trust in yourself
1: for doing it well and going all the way, it'll all come together. Right. That makes sense. Okay. So I want to ask about failure. So can you share something that you failed at, but now looking back there was a lesson in it for you.
0: Yeah, completely. It certainly would have been a fear thing. I sat too long in that sort of purgatory of working in the auto world. You know, it's like you wait for conditions to be right for you to take the next step and jump. And by that point, I was in my mid thirties with a family and my wife's career was just starting to take off, but not a ton of traction there. So I definitely, if I could go back and sort of say, just pull the plug and do it and trust, I would love to be able to do that. I look back at it as, a, you know, that being a failure of mine that I sat too long. What should have been two years was four all of a sudden.
1: Right. I see. And okay. I well, you're, you're, you're now here, so it's all good. Yeah. Okay. So what's the biggest change you made in your business in the last year?
0: I've worked really hard in the last year, year and a half at staying in touch with people. When the pandemic uh, sort of set in March of 2020, I made a point of calling everybody, speaking to them about their concerns and their fears and what may happen and how to prepare for it, and who they should speak to. And a really remarkable thing happened. I did more business last year than I had done up to that point. And really found, you know, what I would define as success in a year where, you know, people were terrified.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was You're in remarkable. the Calgary market, right? Yeah, Calgary. That market. market is not like it's better now, but there was a period that was kind of a very flat market for a long time. Like it was not, it wasn't yeah. exactly hopping. It is now, but like
0: Yeah. And I think one of the things I learned, I think you know, a lot of us in the Calgary market were just like, oh man, oil has crashed and it's been years of this and now this on top. What I realized is that it doesn't really matter what the market's doing. I mean, you know, People have mortgages, they need help, they need service and they need care and expertise. And so by virtue of the pandemic, I picked up the phone more, was in touch with more people and just all of a sudden I was doing more business than I'd ever done before. And- uh, how it works. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. You know, right. it's, it's funny because all the mortgage elders at the beginning are like, "Pick up the phone. Just pick up the phone. That's all you need to do is pick up the phone." And I think the youngsters, they're being, oh,
1: I'm gonna find another way. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I'm gonna do something different. Reinvent the wheel. And uh, and then eventually, like, yeah, this wheel works
1: pretty dang good. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. You know, I, I added an assistant at the beginning of this year. That assistant actually wound up moving to. Uh, Moving away and I've been flying solo um, this year, but honestly, it sounds so silly to say, but you know, the thing that revolutionized my business in the last year or so was actually just being on the phone more just speaking to people.
1: Have you ever had call reluctance? Oh yeah. How do you overcome it? Because I always think it's the story we're telling ourselves that's affecting the way that we're thinking. So like, what do you do anything to prepare or how do you push through that uncomfortableness?
0: I grew up in Northern Ontario where there's just lakes everywhere you turn and there's cliffs at every single lake that you can jump off of. And anytime I was reluctant about a phone call, I just would visualize standing at the top of a cliff and that feeling that you get that I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it. And you do it. So you jumped off the cliffs in
1: Northern Ontario? Oh yeah, all over the place. All the time, right. Well, yeah. That's the
0: thing I visualize, you know, just do it and it's going to be fine. And so that moment of reluctance is just visualize myself standing
1: on the top of it. That's good. That's a great mental picture of that. So if you mind me asking, so like, how is this year compared to last year for you?
0: Yo, I'm up tons. I mean, yeah, I was in my fourth year last year. I finished out at uh, 14 million and change. This year to date, I'm just around 25 million. So year over year, it's been great. And I don't think that's a huge surprise. I think there are a lot of people who are finding a lot of additional business this year. Yeah. And I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the market does next year. But yeah, this year, year over a year, it's like, I've really found that traction. It's like the locomotive is just flying down it's the track. To pick a momentum. And so
1: where would you yeah. say is the source of your business? So like, what do you think is attributed to that growth? Well, an
0: interesting thing has happened this year. I mean, I've done more business this year than I have in past years, of course, but for the first time in, you know, I guess my career, I'm noticing a huge percentage of the business coming from my own resources, my own past clients, my own database of people that I know, I would say about a quarter of that business is coming from people I know the rest is realtor, though, realtor referral.
1: Right. Okay, awesome. You took our training program. And I'm just curious, like for you, what was your biggest takeaway that you got from it?
0: It's funny you'll probably laugh at this because i think you could have told me this before the program but i was most excited about the like tangible um actionable tools like how can you blow the
1: socks off of realtors? the, th- the tactical stuff yeah yeah
0: yeah but the thing that was most effective and actually surprised me to be most relevant to me was the mindset work and that yeah, probably dude i'm
1: happen. telling you like people are, they don't get it it's yeah. like the mindset is the motivation to use the treadmill. The treadmill is the tactic. And if you don't get that, it doesn't matter. You can have a $10,000 treadmill and you'll be like, ah, it's not doing anything. So. It's funny
0: because the chapter, so I'm sure you're familiar with Todd Duncan's High Trust Selling. Yeah. I know there's all kinds of stuff. It's all basically different iterations of the same thing at the end of the day. Oh, it's all, exactly. All
1: this is another perspective on we're all human. We all have the yeah. same sort of, I love getting new perspectives for new insights. That's that's the, right.
0: That's, that's the winning ticket. But, you know, Todd Duncan, for me, just he really resonates. And so High Trust Selling, right, that's a book I would urge anybody who's new in the business or even you know old in the business to read but it's funny because I don't know if you've read it, but I've read it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So a book of laws essentially, um, which isn't a new concept either, but the first law is the law of the iceberg where, you know, the 10% of the iceberg that anybody sees of you is informed by the 90% that no one can see. And it's a whole chapter about how you need to work on yourself personally and be a success personally in order to be a success professionally and right, the same idea. It's
1: just, it's like, there's a reason. I forgot that that. actually, I read it years ago, but that's a great way to think about it. Like the mindset piece, what kind of habits or practices have been useful for you when it comes to mindset? Because I find mindset, it does leak. So not I find, but we can be like, oh, I'm super confident. Oh my gosh. Like we can go through these, like, yeah. how do you maintain, you know, that strong mindset?
0: So the goal writing, noting down goals, I still do that. I've got a book that's dedicated to it. That's something that came right out of the program you know, the airport test, I review that periodically as well. When I was a kid, you know, anytime I had anxiety about anything, my mom would tell me to uh, do some self-talk. And I remember thinking that it was the most absurd thing that any adult could tell a child to do. I'm just going to sit here and like, tell myself it's going to be okay. Tell myself I can do it. And it's funny because it's such a simple concept, but now I'm 41 and I do it all the time. I literally do it all the time. I'm not talking to myself. I just sort of sit there and have a quiet moment and kind of consider When you um, argue like with yourself, want to you achieve. have a problem. Like, yeah. I don't want to I solve a problem. What is it that I want to achieve? But here, I should thank my mom actually, because I, here I am doing it. I think I actually tell my daughter to self-talk now as well.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. It's funny how we'll become like our parents. That's awesome, man. Well, congrats on your success and the mindset unlocks everything without it. Like, honestly, there's
0: the, no doubt. There's one no of my
1: coaches it. once told me mindset is like, you can have a Ferrari and mindset is the gas. You don't put gas in it. It will sit there and do nothing.
0: Sure. The analogy that I use all the time, and I've done a little bit of coaching actually now, or not coaching, but sort of some mentoring for some new agents coming in, which is a funny position to be in at five years in, but you do learn a lot. And uh, the analogy I constantly use in this business is that it's a bit like an old-fashioned locomotive. It's just sitting on the track, and it's not going to go anywhere until you shovel a coal into the engine. And that is the hardest, sweatiest, dirtiest work you're going to do in the business. And that's the mindset stuff, honestly. I mean, it's picking up the phone and being courageous enough to connect with people. But it really is working on that mindset piece and finding a place when you aren't doing consistent business over and over and over again. And you might be scared to trust that if you do the right things, you'll find success. And, you know, you've got to keep shoveling that colon before the locomotive even starts moving. If you stop at all, it's just going to start slowing down.
1: It's not going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, People get impatient with it. Right. So they're like, oh, faster. It's like, no, no, you got to put in the time. And yeah, that's awesome, man. So I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. You can answer these as shorter answers if you like. So what's one thing people can't find out about you from Google?
0: I think if you Google me, I don't think you can find the fact that I
1: played in bands when I was in my late teens. The world of Instagram, nothing's hit anymore. What kind of music was it?
0: It was like punk, punk rock, heavy stuff. I played guitar, I played bass, and one band I sang. Right. And we did some touring and there was a CD out and we were on oh, a record label. Right. A lot of my friends were in pretty successful bands like touring the U.S. eight times, Australia, yeah. the U.K. So that was kind of my world. But That I- would have
1: been my dream job but I cannot sing and I don't understand. Like I love music but I just have no ability. Like it's. Literally- it was
0: really nice for me to be able to like have that enjoyment and it's such a rush to stand on a stage and play in front of a thousand people. But because my friends went on and you know were able to kind of do that it was nice for me to
1: sort of dip in and dip out and still have right yeah you can still do some stuff with them that's cool so what's a movie everyone should watch at least once being a producer you should have some opinion on this
0: yeah well i would just say my favorite movie of all time unforgiven which i think is important because it's about you know i mean it's it's a western it's a genre flipping movie it's about a guy who is formerly bad who has been trying to be good but in the end kind of recognizes who who he is and what it is in him that drives him and of course he's bad in the end but I think it's great because it's a reinforcement to just not swim upstream you know just know who you are and um, go with it
1: I haven't watched that movie in forever my son and I are gonna watch that because it's so good I know he hasn't seen it so we're gonna do okay what's one software program or tool you use that you need for your business
0: I switched to velocity a while back and I can't really imagine going back to expert and I know that's kind of a hot topic
1: oh Um, man you gotta find what works for you
0: so yeah, I, it's, uh, I couldn't imagine doing without it now that the organization and just the fact that everything is accessible within that one touch point, I think is huge. I'm also a jungle user. So even though velocity has all that stuff, the auto emails, I mean, without an assistant, I don't think I could
1: exist. Yeah. Without, the process you know, is pretty great with jungle, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. You, you literally, if you have it set up properly, you check a box, click, save and emails go out to everybody. Like I was saying, when we first connected, I had an assistant and she moved away and I'm looking, but not diligently because I'm actually not finding it that difficult to manage the amount of business I'm doing. Yeah,
1: you're at the volume where you can still manage it. And if you have really good systems, you can definitely go further in volume before you start to like something cracks. So go for it, man. Yeah. So you said the book would probably be high trust selling, correct?
0: Yeah, that's what I would recommend. I put Mm -hmm. it in everybody's hand. Anybody I meet, you know, Dustin's Mm -hmm. books are awesome too. And I wouldn't be here if it weren't for those, but High trust selling—it's one of those things. Like I know a couple of realtors who try and stick ninja selling in everybody's hands as well, and it's a great book. But anybody who's new coming into the business, anybody who needs a refresher, anybody who wants to be inspired, high trust selling will do that for you for
1: sure. I guarantee yeah. you. Cool. What about elevator questions? You're in an elevator, you know, downtown Calgary. Somebody walks in—that's your ideal client. How would you describe what you do?
0: I'm really big on promises, but the key is promises that you can keep. Um, And I think that really resonates with people. So my elevator pitch would be something like, my name is Adam Mansbridge. I'm a mortgage agent and I can offer you a multitude of options to assist with your mortgage needs. And my promise to you is to always be honest, to respect your time and be prompt in our communication and to work diligently on your behalf to find the best possible mortgage solution for you.
1: Right. That's awesome, man. And then last question, if I could put you in the DeLorean from back to the future, send you back, what would you have said to yourself when you're starting out?
0: Number one, and most importantly, I would say do not spend a dollar on whatever it is that you think marketing is because you're wrong and it's a waste of money. So that would be number one. Number two would be to listen to your mortgage elders and pick up the phone. Stop <laughs> trying the gimmicky stuff, go for lunches, go for coffees, pick up the phone and call people and connect with them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, number three, I would just tell, I guess I have the benefit of a, sort of a retroactive perspective, but I would probably tell myself to get rid of the hope and work on trust, you know, not to keep going back to Todd Duncan, but he's really big on that trust piece that if you do the basic math, you know, one plus two equals three and trust that it's always going to work out and just keep doing that over and over again, it will work out and, you know, trust in your
1: success. That's what yeah, I was, That's awesome, man. Well, hey, where do people find you online?
0: I'm on Instagram. I don't use it a whole ton anymore. I'm kind of in a down phase about social media in general, but Mansbridge Mortgage on Instagram, mansbridgemortgage.com. I'm on Facebook, Mansbridge Mortgage on Facebook. I'm all over the place.
1: Right. It's awesome. Well, hey, Good to chat with you. Glad to see that you're you know doing great and you're able to manage it without even any help right now. So congrats brother. Yeah,
0: thanks very much. Thanks for having me.
1: Hey Aaron. welcome to Ask the Experts. Hi Scott.
2: Thanks for having me here again today.
1: So today, we're going to talk about three tips to create a smoother closings. I know you guys do a ton of closings, and you have a fantastic process, but you're going to just give sort of three things that mortgage brokers can think about to create a better closing experience. So what are those?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, the reality is, we're living in more of a virtual world these days. And the way that consumers consume services are, you know, more like that Amazon experience, where You know, people are expecting speed, they're expecting transparency. sort of the expectations around everything are just a lot more than they used to be so the first thing that i would always suggest is just setting the expectations as to what's going to happen with closing so a lot of anxiety with clients comes around you know just not knowing what to expect right so you can certainly as a mortgage broker educate your client on what's going to happen in a closing right so there's just basically there's the three main steps where the intake the meeting and the closing. And then the costs, right? So, you know, being transparent about exactly, you know, not just your legal fees, but you're going to incur disbursements like registration costs, title insurance, those kinds of things. So again, just setting that expectation to the client of exactly what's going to be involved.
1: Right. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. They just need to know. That's it. That's key. So, okay. So first step is set expectations. What's kind of the next way that people can create better closings?
2: Yeah. So the second thing is just ensuring that warm handoff. So, you know, like the example I use is that when you buy something from Amazon, they don't send you over to the separate, you know, transportation company. They ensure that your deal is getting delivered to you and they're going to ensure that that happens. You may use another
1: company to your point, but you don't have to log into another website and like, you know,
2: Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to have to repeat all the same information that you just provided to, you know, Amazon or like your mortgage broker to your lawyer. Right. So it's just annoying and it's tedious and it sort of sets people off, you know, the whole experience. So what they can do to ensure that smooth transition is so deeded. We have a secure online portal, just like those lender portals, where a mortgage broker can actually upload their client's basic information as well as any relevant documents to the deal. So again, that's just going to you know prevent the client from having to call around, do that work themselves, and really just create more homework for the client to do. It also ensures that one, the law firm deeded, you know, gets the information, and we're gonna actually reach out right away, you know, usually within about. 20 minutes during business hours to make contact with that client. We also have a tracker on our portal that tells the mortgage broker exactly where the deal is at. So you're going to know that we have reached out and then you're going to know whether the client's completed their intake. So again, just like the Domino's PISA tracker, you can tell exactly what stage the deal is at. And again, it just, it keeps you relevant as a mortgage broker in the process. You can anticipate delays that might happen as well as just to, you know, continue to be relevant to your client as well.
1: Right. And you know, you guys have a very slick process for the handoff and monitoring, but if you're listening to this and you don't, so first off, check out Dita, but make sure you do send that stuff to the lawyer that you're working with in advance just to prevent that hassle of, you know, oh, I need another void check. I gave it to the mortgage broker. Why are you asking for this? That's just annoying. Okay. So set expectations, yeah, exactly. handoff is critical. What's the third kind of key thing that people can think about to do better closings?
2: I think that the other thing that mortgage brokers, you know, can do is remain relevant in the deal. So, you know, you can quarterback the transition. So, you know, with deeded exactly where the deal is at, if you're, you know, seeing something like a delay in mortgage instructions being received by the law firm, you can reach out and say, hey, this isn't normal, you know, what's going on and sort of anticipate those issues so that it doesn't delay the deal from being closed you know, the other thing is, is that it gives you opportunities to reach out to the client at different stages in the deal. So, you know, once your client has completed their signing appointment, you can say, you know, congratulations, you're done your signing. And again, just remind them of what to expect next. And again, just for the client, it just appears more of like a seamless transaction rather than this disjointed two-part effort between the mortgage broker and the law firm.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I totally agree. And you do want to make sure that that end experience is as good as humanly possible. So, okay, so maybe just give a quick recap for anybody that's listening to the three kind of takeaways for creating better closings.
2: Yeah, so the first one is just setting the expectations, letting your client know what's going to happen, what the fees are going to be. You know, you can do that warm handoff between yourself and the law firm. So for the client, it appears as a seamless transaction, provide, you know, the law firm, all of the documents that you have. So the client's not being bugged for that same information twice. And then thirdly, just staying involved and relevant in the deal, because the last impression is the lasting impression. And if your client has a good experience with closing, that reflects well on you as a broker, which means, you know, more referrals and more repeat business for you.
1: Right. So thanks, Aaron One of the cool things I like about your guys platform is that you notify when they get their keys. So like that's pretty granular, like from my understanding, you try to keep the keys in the lockbox and then text on the code so they can get their keys in the house. And so as a mortgage broker, if you're listening to this, imagine when you know the moment your client gets access to their keys, if you send them a text or you can send them a video, you can create an amazing customer experience in that moment. Because if I'm buying a house, like that is a peak moment. Oh my gosh, we got the keys. I can't wait. We're going over to get them right now. So I love the fact that you guys have that as part of it. So if you're listening to this and you're working with another lawyer, fantastic. Use these ideas or these concepts to create smoother closings. But if not, you can check out dita.ca slash ILMB. And they have a deal there for any of our listeners. And it's for our Canadian listeners. But I'm telling you right now, this is something that is going to become more and more normal. And I think you guys are on the cutting edge of you know what everybody's going to expect very soon. So thanks again, Aaron.
2: Yeah, thanks so much, Scott, for having me.
1: This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.